This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Ward, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Good morning, Brock. Oh, good morning, Michael. So much going on in my life. How are really? you? Oh, yeah. Your life's easy. What are you talking about? Well... Milestone yesterday. Milestone moment this week. Milestone moment? Two milestones, actually. I know we got to get to decision day, but two quick milestones. Titus had a, his first Hungry Man TV dinner last night. Okay. That is did a you, big milestone. Did you eat those? No. Do you remember those? I don't really think I ever had that. You never had TV dinners back in the day? No, I don't remember Hungry The really Man. hot cherry crisp in the middle that just burned your mouth no matter how long you waited for that sucker? No. Really? No. I know. I know the kids' the, cuisine ones. Yeah, I know the Justin shake nodding his head. Yes. Yeah, yeah he had a few of those uh, in the living. I had a few of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I was busy eating caviar. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet you were. Uh, and then the second thing is, uh, yeah, Titus passed me long toss. I had to just throw it halfway back and start throwing grounders back to him. So, in baseball, so it's done. He's got a better arm than you. It's Whoa. done. Yeah, it's done. Yep, I was able to kind of hang in through last year, you know, get to 50, 60 yards, whatever, and I could still kind of do it. Uh-uh. He's got a better mm-hmm. arm than you. Yeah, well, baseball, yes. Yeah, let's be very clear. It's baseball. Okay. It's a different object, okay? <laughs> it's a different balance. But he can throw it better than you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. you can throw it a lot longer and harder and further, and it is. It's Yeah, it was kind of a humbling moment. So a lot going on in my life, just like John Schneider and the Seahawks have down there at the VMAC today, right? It is a big on. day for them, man. They, they're going to have to make some decisions here on specifically their quarterback and on their, uh, on their defensive lineman, Dre Jones. There may be others as well, and we may start to hear maybe Maybe at some point that they're able to rework a deal with Tyler Lockett, some of the other Mm -hmm. stuff that probably needs to happen this offseason. But the the sort of two immediate questions are about Geno Smith and about Draymond Jones. And it was interesting. I played the sound and need to know. KJ was pretty firm in his belief that Gino would be back and starting next year and not nearly as convinced that Dre Jones would be here tomorrow. You're familiar with the term ROI. I am. Yes. I am right with KJ because on the return on investment of what you are paying Geno Smith. And oh, by the way, I was looking at pro football focus, I believe last night that had him the eighth graded passer Hmm. in the NFL last year. I I think most metrics would have him certainly in the top 15, if not top 10. And you want to take fourth quarter and, and, you know, critical moments and things. I mean, he's a top 10 guy and you're going to pay him in cash some 22 million bucks return on investment. Compared to 35, 40, 45, 50 million dollars for quarterbacks around the league, he's going to be on this roster. He's going to be in the 20s when guys get their deals reworked as far as cash outlay to him for his, for his job. He's there. So I, I am right lockstep with KJ. Will he be the starter? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, new coach comes in, new system. I think that will be a little bit open for debate, but he's on this roster and I think he goes into it in that way. Dre Jones, that's a different story. I think a return on investment for Dre Jones is a different story because of his fit in this scheme. And most importantly, Salk, when you think about what Baltimore did last year and what did we hear time and again about Mike McDonald when he was hired, look at how much he did with less. Yeah, he had some great players. Don't don't get me wrong. Roquan and Queen and Matabuki, and he had some great players. Mm-hmm. But he also had Kyle Van Noy and Jadavian Clowney off the couch. And and got a return from those guys of tremendous benefit. So I think if you're Dre Jones, 
you may have to have some concern or, you know, his agent this week and does he rework a deal? Does he, you know, I, I think that that's probably a more legitimate debate in that building than is Geno Smith today. You? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, the argument about Dre Jones makes a lot of sense. And certainly the Leonard Williams element, you know, adds a lot to that, right? If they want to bring back Leonard Williams, who they traded a second round pick for last year, they may not be able to afford both guys on the defensive line as free yep. agents in back-to-back years. And they may need to, yeah, move on from one in order to afford the other. And if I look at what I think Mike Mike uh, McCarthy Mike McCarthy Mike McDonald wants in his defense. I think that he wants a Leonard Williams more than he wants a Draymond Jones. The Gino one, though, I'm not going to let it go until he's actually here mm-hmm. because of of kind of what we've talked about. John Schneider's tepid response, the fact that he seemed to be Pete's guy, and you know, the more and more I hear people say that the Seahawks are sniffing around for quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and the more I believe that Drew Locke might be on this roster, the more I think it's possible that Gino isn't. Your guy, Joel Klatt, one of our favorites, Joel uh, yesterday did his mock draft, and guess who he had going to the Seahawks? J.J. McCarthy. Here's what's interesting about this is that now Ryan Grubb is the new offensive coordinator for Mike McDonald, so there's going to be a lot of people that are like, well, the Michael Penix fit is just going to fit too much, but this is still Mike McDonald's call. Mike McDonald, the head coach, is not going to want to play offense necessarily like Washington did. They're not going to try to throw it all over the lot. I just don't think that that's the case. Mike's mm-hmm. going to be trying to put the philosophy and the the organizational structure in place just like Michigan and just like Baltimore. What better quarterback to do that than the guy that just succeeded at the highest end, went 15-0 and last year, won a national championship, J.J. McCarthy. I'll get to I like this J.J. Little... McCarthy to the Seahawks. I'll get to this. Sorry, Jay. Jeez. Don't cut off Joel Come on, Joel. Sorry, dude. Rock, he's the number pauses. one Fox college football I know, analyst. but there were some pauses there. If that you don't mind not cutting him off, that would be fine. Gosh, I just it. told I Justin that he continued after that, and he kind of did an impersonation of the person that thinks that J.J. McCarthy can't throw, and I was wondering if he was envisioning his conversation with you. He probably was. <laughs> what did that impersonation sound like, Mara? It sounded like an obnoxious <laughs> East Coaster. Go figure. Have you watched uh, J.J. McCarthy? No. <laughs> I do these hits, and I talk to this guy who's like, oh, he can't throw. It's not what I said, by the way. <laughs> As usual, my words I've, can... I've watched these college kids, and my eyes say he can't throw. My eyes told me in the two games I watched that he didn't have the same uh-huh. arm as Michael Penix. That's for darn yep. sure. But yep. I, look, I, it, it, he does seem to make a lot of sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you buy that J.J. McCarthy is going to be their draft pick at 16, A... I think that it makes Geno Smith not being here a lot more li- unlikely mm-hmm. or a lot more likely that he wouldn't be here. Yeah. And I also think that it makes it a lot less likely that DK Metcalf would be here. Mm-hmm. I don't see how that's a big fit. That's not what they built at Michigan with big ride receivers or any of that. They didn't use mm-hmm. that. That's not the style. Yeah. So if it's J.J. McCarthy, and I don't know that it is, I think yeah. a bunch of other things kind of flow from that. No, these next 24 hours will be, yeah, just kind of our first little tell, right? We've had so much conversation. We'll even have more here in about 20 minutes with Roger Rosengarten. Stud right tackle for the Huskies, played for Scott Huff. I think really enjoyed his experience there with Ryan Grubb. A lot of background on those guys being in the huddle and, and all that they achieved this last year. And, you know, we've had a chance to talk to a lot of people about it. 
Today and tomorrow is the first time we get to kind of get a little walking. Mm. Not, not talking, but walking. What, what are we doing here? What, what exactly and how exactly are we going to start to shape this with a couple guys because of the contracts and the way that they are structured with yeah. the Seahawks, that year two becomes a big decision-making point. If I had to guess, right, the odds are always against action. So if I had to guess, will Gino be here tomorrow? I would say yes. He probably will be. But I don't think it's like a guarantee. It, if I had to guess, will DK Metcalf get traded? Probably not, because it's hard mm-hmm. to put together a trade. Correct, because that takes a lot of parts. It takes a lot of parts. Like mm-hmm. It's always safer to bet against something happening and a trade getting done. But that doesn't mean that people wouldn't be looking at it and wouldn't be considering it and having a real conversation about it. And I think the same is true of Gino. The same would be true of DK trade. And the same would be true of Dre Jones, although that one does feel like maybe the momentum is there for something to get done here or change in the next 24 hours. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with everything you need to know. Pitchers and catchers are throwing. Ryan Divish is going to join us a little over an hour from now from Peoria, where I'm sure the birds will be chirping. It is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it is a big decision day for the Seahawks. A couple of players who have contracts become guaranteed tomorrow for the upcoming season. The biggest name, Geno Smith. It would certainly make sense that he would be back for next year. Certainly, he hasn't done anything to make you think he can't handle the job or that he couldn't be the bridge to a draft pick if they make it. I think the only reason this conversation is out there is because of John Schneider's affection for Drew Locke because we've heard the new coach mention Drew's name a few times and we've heard people say that they could draft another quarterback here at the top part of the draft and there's probably not room for three so I think that's why this is even a question yeah yeah I think also and you brought this up earlier Pete's affinity for Gino you know I don't think there was any question well like many of the guys on the team that Pete had such a love for the way that guy got after it and the way that he competed and his will to win and just think that number from Kurt Warner to KJ Wright to most of the people we've talked to, Salk, they all look at that number and go, that is actually a great deal. Mm-hmm. That is a very, that is a more than fair number. And if anything, you know, Gino's market value, Gino's numbers would tell you that he's probably worth more than $22.5 million in cash next year as a starting quarterback in this league. Trey Jones is, you know, is a little different story. And uh, in last year, well, the whole defense suffered. The last year, the whole defense couldn't stop the run. The last year, there were a lot of problems. And that's why, mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of those guys are no longer here. And that staff is no longer here to try to stop that run. Yeah, he uh, was their big signing last offseason. Obviously, you would hate to give up on him that quickly. Maybe the question is, does he fit into this defense? Can you sign both him and Leonard Williams at the same time? K.J. Wright yesterday said, eh, I don't know. That's going to be hard for me to see. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I look at the the product on the field. I look at the playmaking on the field, and it's just, I need more. I need way, way more. I need dominance. I need you to throw linemen to the ground. I don't want to see you on the ground on run plays. You know what I mean? And so I expected, when we did sign them to that country, I expected dominance. I expected a lot of playmaking. Yeah. And um, I didn't see enough to say that we're going to go forward in this next regime. Hey, two quick little things there. Yes, he was a wave one signing last year. He was the biggest splash that they had made. Also, he is under contract. So it's not like you have to sign both Un- of them. Understood. Just, right. Yeah. But just the way that you said both. that. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. 
Do you have room to sign Leonard Williams if you are still paying Draymond Jones? I don't know the answer to that. Here's the good news. John Schneider going to be on with Wyman and Bob this afternoon at 4 o'clock for the first uh, return here of the John Schneider Show. So that is coming up at 4 o'clock. Return of the John. This afternoon. Return of the John. Here's the second thing you need to know. It's not. Pitchers and catchers are working out today, Brock, for the first time. They're not the only ones. Sounds like there were a whole bunch of position players who were already there Guess hanging out. There. Julio. Guess who was there? JP. Ichiro. 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 <laughs> you know, his presence was mandated, as I'm sure you know. Mitch Hanniger, Ty France. You see the Ty France workout video yesterday? Did I, did I watch it three times? What'd you think? Really, really good. Some pretty good power source stuff. Pretty strong in that bench press, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got them short little arms, big barrel chest. But, no, man, I uh, I liked it. I liked the squats. What is the matter with you? What? I, I, what is the matter kinda, with you? What? He's got short little arms. What is the matter with you? Why is that? What's the what matter with me? What is the matter with you? <laughs> I did like the work. I did like the power. It'd be fun to see those numbers. And when we talk to Ty down there, when we're down there, oh, in less than, let's see, well, for you, like eight days. Yeah, can't 10 wait. days, we'll be on the air down there. Ty's a guy we're going to talk to. We talked to him a bunch off the air. He is a great talker. I am very curious to see how much that strength did improve. I mean, there is no question. You looked at the just his movement and his power from when he went in there day mm-hmm. one to a couple months later. Yeah, you see a different Ty France. No doubt about that. By the way, we're going to talk to Bryce Miller, I think, tomorrow. We'll probably tape that after the show today. And uh, I'm excited to talk to him. Sounds like he's added a cutter. Sounds like, you know, he's probably locked cutter into. Sinker. Did I say cutter? I meant to sinker. He's Jeez. probably locked into that uh, fourth spot in the rotation. He's kind of a fun dude as well. Plus, he wants to hit. He keeps telling Scott Service. You see the video of him swinging the other day? He said, show this to the skip. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully chat with him for tomorrow. Here's the third thing you need to know. Oh, man, just unimaginable tragedy in Kansas City yesterday. Brock, 22 injured. Uh, One person has died. 11 of the victims were children. Uh, The person who died is a local radio DJ named Lisa Lopez. Um, It's just awful. Kudos to the civilians who tackled one of the alleged gunmen. But it's just, it's it's so horrifying. I opened the show with it at 6 o'clock. I, I don't know how this stuff can happen and how it can continue. It's pretty awful because it just puts that thought. I don't know about you, but when you go into malls or you go into big events, does that mind does that cross your mind at times? It would, yeah. And and more specifically now, you know, when you go to big gatherings yes. and if there were to be a parade here in yep. Seattle for something, yep. I don't know how you wouldn't think about it. It, it National just national title game I was at, I honestly thought about some of that. Yeah. You know, just like geez, if you know, if there's evil and, and people want to do evil, awful stuff, there's, you know, opportunities. And it's just. Uh, I guess sad. I think about it less in security situations inside buildings like that. Yes. It's more the sort of open gathering mm-hmm. like uh, like they had yesterday in Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, just awful. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Kraken will be in Boston tonight to take on the Bruins. And Caitlin Clark going for the record tonight, Brock, you on Peacock. It? I'm going to be watching. watching. Absolutely. Peacock. Peacock. Everything you need to know. <laughs> Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Sulk oh, Show. Gosh, guess what? What? The UFL is uh is coming, you know. Is March, it late March? Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. You know I'll be I'll be ready for that. Yeah, and you know the St. Louis, they're the battle hawks. Yes, I do know. And they got this big call. Caw, 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 caw. And I actually do it really well, so I get asked to do it a lot. And I nice. think I think you and I might do that peacock thing. I think it sounds pretty good between you and me. Caw, caw. <laughs> All right. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> she well, needs eight points, by the way, to beat Kelsey that's Plum. It? So there's a little local tie to that as well. Yeah, yeah. she's going to get eight points in like the first quarter, yeah. right? Yes, she or, is. I mean, she's going to get that. I mean, I think there is quick. a legitimate conversation for her of whether she comes back for a fifth year. And would she make more money coming back to Iowa? Would she set a standard that would never, ever, ever, ever be broken? Right. Right, to have played there five years at that point. And, uh, you know, she could she could blow this thing out of the water. So She's so fun, man. She is just so yes, unbelievably fun to watch. So, yeah, the kids and I will be uh, nice. gathered around the peacock tonight to uh, to watch a little Caitlin. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Brock, you know how I feel about this. So I am I will admit to some nerves. Right. Every time we've ever had a college kid on before 10 really 10 a.m., yeah. it's a disaster. Right. Now, Roger Rosengarten is heading the to the NFL we had a draft. Prospect like this and Vita Vea, first or second round. Didn't go very well. <laughs> it was a little tough. It didn't, it didn't end well. <laughs> so uh, I will admit some nerves, but you have promised me, you've yes. assured me yes. that Rosengarten's going to be great, that he's going to be awake, that there's not going to be a problem, and he's going to tell us all about Ryan Grubb, the draft process, and a whole lot more. Coming up next, Brock and Sulk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Can't wait to be in Peoria next week. Can you just give me this? What? Don't ask a lot of you. <laughs> when we play this bumper music, just, just stop it. You like this song, huh? I You're going to get into War on Drugs, I think. I could see you kind of getting get into, into it, or Brady already sent me the whole album. Oh, did you listen to some of it? I listened. What'd you think? Pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. I like them Pretty a lot. Good. Anyway, all right. Uh, it's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports, 710seattlesports.com. Uh, let's go to the guest line, Brock. Roger Rosengarten, Husky Tackle, and headed to the NFL this year. Uh, kind enough to take a few minutes with us this morning. Hi, Roger. How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on. Are you awake, Roger? Are you awake? I, I sure am. I sure oh, am. Okay. <laughs> you, you might be the first uh, college kid we've ever had on this early that uh, is awake. Generally, this has been like a like a rule for the show of like no college kids before ten a.m. But you seem like maybe you've maybe you've already woken up and done stuff today. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We got uh, we got training here in a couple hours. So yeah, I'm up. <laughs> We're gonna get to uh, Coach Grub, Coach Huff, two guys that you know better than Salk and me, and anybody listening to the show right now know. But before we do, where where are you in the process? You went down to Mobile. You absolutely kicked some butt down there at the Senior Bowl a week ago, and uh, just kind of talk to us about where you are in the process now of this draft coming in what ten weeks or so. Yeah, uh, like you said, um, had the week down in Mobile. It was a great experience. Um, Jim Nagy knows how to. Um, put on a production down there every year, and it was a great, uh, great experience just with the exposure and just being around a great group of guys. Um, I mean, and then coming back from Mobile, uh, I'm all settled down in Orange County, California, with uh, five other Huskies um, through Excel Sports um, down here in the agency. So, um, yeah. So, what is a day? Uh, what is down here? What is a day in the life of Roger Rosengarten getting now ready with a bunch of these Huskies for the combine? What What is today? What is a, a day in the life as you get ready to head to Indy look like? Yeah. Um, so I usually wake up kind of around 7. So we get a, the, the wake up isn't as bad as uh, the college ones for sure, which is uh, kind of nice. But I wake up around 7, you know, I'll get to the facility by 7.30, have breakfast um, after the facility, you go out have a new speed work so you can do your combine drills so whether that's 
40 starts or uh, 40 flies or the pro agility, the L drill. Um, it just depends on the day. So you have a speed work for about an hour and a half. And um, right after that, um, we have our position trainer, which is uh, Joe Staley, actually, uh, the 49ers legend. Um, so he comes and we do about an hour and a half of field work with him. Then uh, immediately bolt back to the facility, uh, grab some lunch, and do an hour of board work and film. Um, and then you have your lift right after that, which is you're sitting around one, one, two o'clock after your lift. And then from two to whenever is all for you to recover. So they uh, do a great job here, uh, setting up recovery station for us and, uh, getting us right. So what's at a recovery yeah. station? <laughs> well, I, I, the first stuff all sounded really difficult and I don't really want to do any of those things, but the recovery station sounds like something maybe I could get into. What, what, what goes into the recovery station? Yeah, so I mean, you're gonna have your uh, hyper hyper ice uh, normal tech boots. Um, they got the hip boots, they got the leg boots, they got the arm boots. So they have probably six or seven pairs there in the facility. Um, so they have a ton hmm. there. They have uh, two two tubs for us. They're hot and cold. They do contrast. They have the sauna. They have uh, red light therapy. They have the fair guns. Um, they have two trainers in there. So if you want to get um, worked out on your body from maybe the long season we had or something. Do you ever so. feel like? Do you ever feel like a like a lab rat? <laughs> nah, I wouldn't say that. I mean, uh, this is just all part of the process that goes into uh, being a football player. So. It, it really is amazing. Uh, yeah. Seriously, when you, when you, when you describe all of that, what what you guys go through and what you're willing to do, and it it, it does sort of help explain why every year the game is bigger, faster, stronger, played yeah. by people that are at a size that makes it seem impossible for them to move as quickly as they do, and yet every year guys get bigger, faster, and stronger. Yeah. It just absolutely yeah. When when you explain it that way, it makes a lot of sense. We're talking to Roger Rosengarten, um, you know, Husky tackles now on his way to the NFL. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the guys that you played for because we're going to be talking about them a lot more here in Seattle. How would you describe Ryan Grubb? Yeah, I think of Coach Grubb, I just think of uh, standard, you know. Um, Coach Grubb sets a high standard for that offensive room, and it doesn't matter if it's um, the receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, or the offensive line. I mean, everyone's held that same standard, and I I, I think that's um, why we had a lot of success and why Coach Grubb has had a lot of success here in the past. And, um, yeah, I think he sets a high standard for all his offensive position coaches, too, not just the players. Um, and when you get a coach that does that, um, he's going to be very productive. It was only about a half dozen, maybe even less than that, practices that, that I was able to attend, Roger, over the last couple of years watching him. But I'll tell you what, man, watching those practices – He's not short on intensity. I mean, he, he, no. he you know, you, you said standard there. It felt like on the practice field, anyhow, he was not afraid to use his voice, to use his presence, really demanding and commanding. Um, I, I love that standard conversation. How about the day-to-day, and how about coaching guys up? Will it be a transition for him to coach guys that are from 18 to 22 versus kind of the grown men and professionals? Yeah, I mean, I think any coach that transitions from the college to – um, the professional landscape will definitely have a different transition um, just because you're diff- you're dealing with a different clientele, not recruiting. You have a whole scouting department that does that for you. Um, I know, but no, I mean, I think it's just minor things that coach will change, but the base foreground things, I think uh, coach Grubb will still install within the offense. And uh, yeah. What did you like about his offense? Yeah. Um, I love the fluidity, fluidity and uh, the motion of it, you know, 
Um, we were always kind of in the up-tempo, um, kind of fast-paced, kind of attack mindset offense. Um, a lot of moving parts, uh, like you like you guys probably seen, a lot of shifting, motioning, pre-snap, um, just a lot of eye candy for defenses, a lot of different pitches that were shown. Um, and it really just kept defenses on their heels. And uh, when you get a Heisman-level quarterback back there um, slinging it to um, some crazy receivers, some uh, special things can happen, to say the least. Roger Rosengarten here with us, all-conference player, absolute stud. I hope to be seeing his name in the first round, uh, but I think we'll see it in the second round at the latest in April. Roger, um, talk to me about those that say, hold on a second, this guy threw it 61% of the time. Right, This is a league with Mike McDonald, a defensive-minded head coach, a line of scrimmage coach in Baltimore and in Michigan. They pounded the football. Is Grubb a guy that can transition out of some of that 61% drop-back pass and actually balance it out with some of the run game? Yeah, you know, I think um, you you know you definitely want to cater to your strengths uh, as, as a team, as an offensive coordinator. I think Grubb knows that. and um, That's the thing about um, our offense where – we were uh, kind of that more of a drop back team and not the ground and pound run. Um, you know, that definitely wasn't our strength, but I think we definitely showed strengths of it um, in the Pac-12 championship and um, many other games where we could um, put our nose down to the ground and uh, run it through somebody, run it through somebody's face. So, um, you know, I think Coach Grubb will definitely make those minor adjustments within, uh, within the team. And, um, yeah. You mentioned having a Heisman-level quarterback behind you. It has kind of driven me crazy, some of the lack of respect that Michael Penix has gotten in this whole draft process. What was he like? We got to see him, and we know what his arm looks like. What was he like as a leader of that offense? Yeah. Um, I mean, Mike is is one of the best leaders I've ever seen, you know. Um, He's he's definitely got the verbal and uh, um, lead-by-example traits. Um, I think that's what makes him such a unique leader is that sometimes when he's not the most verbal guy, he's leading by example. And that's, you know, that's throwing an insane pass or if he has a bad play, he's the same guy each play. That's, that's one thing I think what makes him such a special player is that um, one play doesn't knock his whole game. Um, he's the same guy every play and so calm and poised and so smooth in what he does and how he um, processes different sorts of looks and um, coverages. Uh, just in one of the best quarterbacks, I think the best quarterback I've ever played with. Hey, Roger, um, I think oh, – I'm sorry about that, buddy. I think one of the keys with bringing Ryan Grubb back was also bringing Scott Huff back. He was your offensive yeah. line coach there over your tenure, your entire tenure at Washington. What are the Seahawks getting in that combination? And first, I guess, start with Coach Huff and then the combination of those two getting to work together here back with the Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, I think they're just getting the Seahawks are going to get a com- two competitors, you know. Um, like I said, with that standard, I'd say the same thing about Kuchov. Um I know I think I get that one a little bit more personally because you spend um, two thirds of the year uh, with that guy. But um, you know, when I think of him, I think of honestly standard again. Um, we had a high level standard in that O line room, and I think that's part of the reason why we won that Joe Moore Award is that um, we practiced, we. We lifted, we ran all to that standard um, all season, all season long, and it uh, definitely paid dividends. Um, no, no kidding, it definitely paid dividends. And you know, you mix uh, Coach Grubb and Coach Huff together, and it's going to be a deadly combination. Were you surprised to see them come back and leave Tuscaloosa? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I think as 
as college football coaches or just coaches in general, um, you're always going to look for the best opportunity you, you have for yourself and your family. And, um, you know, I don't think anybody was really expecting the big move. I mean, at least I wasn't. I kind of was sitting behind the seeds of the, the whole thing. I was sitting down in Orange County when um, the, our, our staff kind of got dismembered. But, um, you know, I think uh, Coach Grubb and Huff, I think they're going to do the best thing for themselves and um, their families. And I, I wasn't too surprised on it. So, yeah. How glad are you that you're not dealing with that anymore? I mean, just the whole mess of all of the coaches moving and the transfer portal. Are you happy to be kind of out and away from all of that? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say I'm like necessarily happy, but I'm, um, you know, when I when I go back and think about it, on oh, should I stay another year or should I uh, declare for the draft? I feel um, I felt uh, clear in my decision before the staff got dismembered, but. Uh, Kind of, kind of sitting back on it and just seeing how everything just broke down. It just made made my uh, made my decision uh, more reassured, more reassured for sure. <laughs> hey, last thing for me, and I like that little laugh. And I know you got to get to your running right as you laid out your schedule here, so you got running here pretty soon. You how far are you to... running? How, how um, far does it run? I, I don't. I'm not sure the yardage, but I mean, like we'll do um, probably like five or six 40 starts and then like on a fly day um you probably you probably run like 40 to 60 yards about six six seven times okay. so it's a good amount but yeah. yeah not not nothing too crazy you use a term that i loved and and i say it on the air and so he always gets this little smile when you said it you got a little smile because salt's guy growing up was lawrence taylor and lawrence taylor was a violent football player and when you said mm-hmm. earlier that you know grub and we could r- run through someone's face what exactly does that feel like and look like and maybe in particular the final play before the kneel down against Oregon was that running it through someone's face yeah I mean when you ask when you ask when you ask that question I I, I agree because um I I gotta say that Pac-12 championship we had a couple plays or um if you pull on the tape um whether we're running counter or we're running pin pull action or we're running inside outside zone I feel like just our whole demeanor that whole game was, you know, run run through somebody's face whenever we're on the ball. And, and um, that that started through the offensive line and ran through uh, DJ. So, And there's nothing like running it through a duck's face. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I love it. You were sort of meant – you were like almost born to be an offensive lineman, weren't you? I mean, yeah. I mean, I you know, crazy thing about it is I kind of wanted to be a tight end growing up and then um, – I mean, you know, every kid wants to um, go catch passes and be all this, that, and, but, you know, I think it was where I got my eighth grader to my freshman year of high school is kind of when um, a couple coaches came by and said, hey, you could be a really good offensive, defensive lineman. And then, um, I know, I just picked it up and I just love uh, the violence of the position and um, what that brings with it. So, I mean, I fell in love with it ever since. Yeah, so. if, you, if you wanted to be a tight end in the NFL, you should have played defensive line at UW. That, I've heard that's like a pretty clear path to becoming a tight end, at least for a couple yeah. other guys. Oh, yeah. But, uh, hey, oh, yeah. this was great. We got a lot of texting. Salk, this is a good interview. 
Let him know he's bucking the trend of college kid interviews. He just broke the standard for college playing, college player morning morning interviews. What a cool, articulate dude based off this interview relative to other college players. This kid is a Hall of Famer. So you are uh, you are uh, absolutely endearing yourself even more so to the audience. We appreciate you taking a few minutes. Uh, good luck in uh, the recovery area today. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll get after it there for you. All right. There you go. There's Roger Rosengarten, Husky tackle, who is on his way to the NFL. I I will admit, Brock, I sort of thought the recovery area yeah. was going to be a little more fun. It right. sounded just as bad as the rest of the day. Well, I was like, you do all that and then you torture yeah. yourself more? Well, like, I, could oh, see, I could see you in the sauna. So I could the sauna part, fine. Everything else sounded like more pain and suffering. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, like, oh, yeah, there's great food and there's people fanning you with palm fruit. Like, that's what I was thinking of, feeding you grapes as you lie there. But instead it was like, oh, no, then you just put on freezing cold boots. Like, oh, that sounds great. Why don't you just leave your leave your shoes outside all night, and then in the morning it'll be great. You'll recover by putting your freezing cold shoes on. I had this beautiful picture of you talking these, about with these boots. These boots go all the way up to your hip, oh. and then you put them on your arm, and oh. you lay there. And you get the How can cold. you put boots on your arm? That doesn't even make nah, sense. They, they got these sleeves that you put well, in. Those so aren't boots. They're totally, sleeves. Totally picture you in that recovery right. center. Let's do some Blue 88. <laughs> This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Sox. In that recovery room, all right. Coming, uh, let's come with three good football questions with Brock, uh, starting with this one. We've sort of talked through why Dre Jones excuse me, mm-hmm. might not end up being here just because it's part of the conversation. Yep. Make the case for him here in Seattle next year. Uh, the case is at 280, 285. He is a dynamic, explosive, movable piece on the front. And then Mike McDonald, yes, likes a couple big, huge hogs in the middle on base downs and stopping the run. But part of the reason he had an absurd number of pressures on the quarterback, Salk, was because he had movable pieces in his nickel fronts that he used creatively. Matabuike, I'd be curious, and maybe someone can do this with football savant, I'm curious to see how many of his sacks were on first or second down in base defense versus his sacks in nickel pressures. And Kyle Van Noy and Clowney and those guys, they, they were not in on early downs on stop the run. They were nickel guys that had unique pressures. Not too different, by the way, than Steve Spagnola, who just got a extension there in Kansas City, who you've raved about, Salk, at finding ways to get to the quarterback, to free guys up, even free Chris Jones up, the best defensive lineman, well, the number one top free agent in all the league and one of the top D linemen in the league. He's able to get to a one-on-one situation or unblocked situation. So that would be the case is that, no, 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 no. You're actually going to, you know, last year, Dre had to play on the edge and base downs. And because of the injury to Achenna, he had to do some stuff that was outside of his skill set that actually, when he's moved around and he's played in different situation and he's schemed up to get a one-on-one, the dude can still be a difference maker. Mm. You said movable, though. That was the thing that kind of made me worried. Like, is he too easily moved? You said he's, what, 285? I think he's around 280, 285. Yeah, I mean, Justin Matabuike is 305, right? I mean, you're talking about a, a, a yep. 20 or, yep. I mean, he's listed at 280. Mm-hmm. Talking about a 25-pound, 30-pound yep. yep. difference. So, yep. all right, question number two. Uh, 
Lance Zerline on yesterday with Bump and Stacy. I like him. He always does yep. a great job with his mock drafts and uh, kind of leading up to the process. Uh, here's what he had to say about Michael Penix. Despite the injuries, Michael Penix really improved from his time at Indiana to Washington. He's become a more accurate passer. I think there are times like the Texas game where his touch is just Phenomenal. I mean, the, the, maybe the best pure passing game I saw all year long. He was brilliant in that game. The problem with Michael Penix is the Michigan game. Once you heat him up, you know, he doesn't take a lot of sacks. He's good at getting rid of the football. But once you heat Michael Penix up, it really gets muddy for him, and it, it's a problem. Once he has to move his feet and get outside the pocket, his completion percentage just plummets into the 20s. That's a real concern because NFL teams just don't let you sit there and do whatever you want in the pocket. That, that's just not going to happen. Did he say the 20s? He did, so Can I add further to that because I heard that with Bump and Stacy, and then uh, Zerline tweeted this yesterday. And, uh, and and I think that's a very valid point and, and one that I had not really heard elsewhere. And this is part of the process that these guys go through and the nitpicking that's going to happen. Lance tweeted said, I like to match up data points with tape study of that data to gain context. One of the data points that I consider very important is completion percentage when scrambling. And according to Pro Football Focus, here's some completion percentage of the top guys when they scramble. Okay. Caleb Williams, 41%. Drake May. 36%. Jaden Daniels, 46%. Bo Nix, 58%. Michael Penix, 23%. Jeez. And oh, by the way, JJ Jetplay McCarthy, 71%. Wow. When he scrambles. Hmm. Yeah. That's a big difference. 22 now, is as he said, figures don't lie, liars figure. Though a lot of those are throwaways. Michael's not going to take sacks. Right. But McCarthy didn't take a lot of sacks either, you know, so you got to really then do the next level. And, OK, how many of those are truly just throwaways that he's avoiding? It's like he's actually making a great play and not right. giving away a negative play versus, boy, when he is on the move. And Jeez. there is something too that to be that low, there is a little something to yeah, that story. For sure. Interesting. All right. Question number three. Ten weeks away, what, roughly, from the uh, NFL draft. What are yes. you learning as we go through all of these mock drafts and all of the conversation? Yeah, just that. So we're going to have about, yeah, 68 days here or so. And you're going to see if last year there was debate and last year it was Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud and, you know, one, two, and three, Bryce Young, little guy. There, there's now you're going to stretch that from three to six. And you're going to find people that love Bo Nix and people that can't stand Bo Nix. Mm -hmm. People that love Michael Penix and people that think he, he's a fourth-rounder. I saw a former NFL scout yesterday um, saying Caleb Williams, fourth-rounder. Merrill Hodge. Fourth-rounder? Yeah. Yeah. Merrill Hodge saying, not, don't even compare him to Patrick Mahomes. That's an absolute joke. This guy is not Patrick Mahomes. So you're going to find on all Jaden Daniels, way too thin. Michael Penix, way too big of an injury history. J.J. McCarthy can't throw the ball down the field. Like, you are going to now stretch this from just three guys like we had last year to doubling that effort, and it is going to be exhaustive over the next 10 weeks for sure. How would you rank these six quarterbacks? That's a, uh, that's today's Blue 88. If you have to oh, I'm not right about now. To do that. I'm not about to do that right now. So. Really? You're not ready? No, no. You're not prepared? I'm not about to do that. No, Why? I'm not about to do that. Right? Because I don't have all my study, and I'm not about to do that. I don't do need you right to. Now. I said for right yeah. now, you can change your mind later. You know what happens for me legitimately is I start to have pretty grave concerns about all of them the further we go through the process right because you get you get sucked into the negative well I've as just usual been, kind now, of a negative guy compared and i'll say to this me, and I get you it. know usually usually you and i both do a great peacock and then we uh -huh. usually yep we usually like to say we're great guests i finished this interview in chicago the other night <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
And I might as well have sounded like that. I was terrible. I got done with the call. What I had to text. To a, I had to text the producer and be like, "I am sorry. That it's was not, not like you. That was not good guest. That was bad guest. Well, you gave bad was, guest. I gave bad guest. <laughs> I just kind of talked around everything. I didn't have a definitive answer on anything. It was terrible. Why? Because Caleb Williams makes you do that, Salk. Because I can't be Merrill Hodge. I can't say this guy's a bust. I didn't like a lot of the drama. This year, there was a lot of drama with Caleb Williams. I didn't like a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But, man, the dude is just a special, unique talent. He is a running back with a great throwing motion. I mean, he, truly, like he is an elite. He, he could be an NFL running back. And I, and, I mean, honest to God. And I'm not saying he should be, but he could absolutely be with his speed and quickness and power and strength, all of those things, vision. The dude could be an NFL running back. But then he's got a totally clean delivery and can throw a ball 75 yards. Can hit a goalpost 60 yards away at an Elite 11 camp. You know, hit the crossbar 60 yards away. So the dude is unique, but there's some stuff there that's just like, oh, well, I don't want the drama. Don't give me the drama. Just be a, just be a guy. Mm -hmm. But then you realize that dude's 20 years old. You're asking a 20-year-old to just be a guy when he's got millions of dollars and the expectations are thrown on him and all that. So I just found myself talking in circles. And I got down and I was like, bad guest. Bad guest. Going to have to make up for it as we get closer. Well, to the it's draft. interesting. As you are drifting away from one quarterback name, I got to admit, I might be drifting towards one. That's yeah. next. I'm Brock and Salk.